Good. It's good to be with you this morning. So uh, we were headed to church this morning and just really relaxed and unhurried. And we're driving past our neighbors, Ryan and Anna Lee, and we're just, oh, look, they're coming to church early. This is awesome. And Amy, uh, you know, is coming. You know, our next, our other neighbor across the street, we saw her leaving. Oh, she's coming to hang out early. And we're driving here. And then halfway through we realized oh maybe we're not early maybe the service does not start at 10 30 but 10 o'clock so that's what happened to us this morning but hey we are here now so glad to be with you i am one of the things i'm grateful for is for brandon and haley and our team that worked so hard to make something like this happen. Uh, this, this planning starts long before this day and there are a lot of details to keep track of. And so can we give all those who helped a round of applause. Yeah. Uh, we are in this sermon series where we're looking at the church in 3D and we're considering what are the main components of church life. And what we've been talking about the last couple weeks is that there's this vertical component, our relationship to, to God. There is this inward component. We looked at this last Sunday, which is our relationship to one another and how important and critical that is if we're going to mature in Christ. Today, as we consider what our theme is going to be for this year, we're going to look at the outward dimension. What should our relationship as the church be like to our community, the rest of the world. So that's what we're going to consider. Um, we're going to be in 1 Peter 2, 9 through 12. And I believe, can they follow along on their phone? Yeah. Is there something in the bulletin that... Uh, on the back, there's a QR code. On the back, there is a QR code on the back of the bulletin. If you want to take a picture of that, that'll point you to the website if you want to follow along on your phone. So 1 Peter 2, 9 through 12, this is going to be our theme passage for the year. Let's check this out. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Anybody here this morning been called out of darkness? and walking in his marvelous light? Yes. Yeah. You who once were not a people, but are now the people of God, who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Beloved, I beg you, as sojourners and pilgrims, abstain, abstain from the fleshly lusts which war against the soul, having your conduct honorable among the Gentiles, that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may, by your good works which they observe, glorify God in the day of visitation. All right, so in just a few, just four relatively short verses, what Peter does is he tells us who we are as a church, and he also tells us in these verses how we can relate to the world. Now, religious groups over the centuries, and this was happening in Jesus' day, typically took one of two approaches in their relationship to the world. There were the, the, the people that withdrew from the world. 
right? The world is evil out there. There's nothing good out there. There's no truth out there. And if we're going to be faithful to our religious tradition, we must withdraw. We must separate ourselves from that wicked world out there. We're only going to listen to people in our group. We're only going to do business with people in our group. We're only going to hang out with people in our group. We're only going to marry people in our group. We're only going to consume media from people in our group. We are going to grow our own food. We're going to make our own clothes. We are only going to use cash. We are going to stockpile toilet paper because the end of the world is going to start tomorrow and I am not going to be without toilet paper. <laughs> Those are the withdrawlers, the separatists, right? And then another posture that religious groups have taken through the centuries is one of assimilation. And so what the, what the assimilators do is they, they adopt the mainstream culture. They become just like the people in the city, in the community. They have the same attitude, the same mindset. They act in the same ways, all for the sake of being relevant. Now, you need to know that both of these approaches often have to do with power and the desire to escape suffering. Think about this. If we go on our own little island over here, and I can tell my people that I am leading, like, hey, you better not go out there. It's scary. It's dangerous. You're going to get hurt. You better stay right here. Do what I say. There is a power in that. Extreme form, you think of cults, right? That's the extreme, extreme form. You stay right here. And by the way, that way you won't suffer out there because the world is evil, right? Now... Think about the assimilators. It's about power and influence and a lack of suffering as well because it's like, hey, we're going to be just like the culture around us so that we can have influence. So doors will open for us. So we will be liked and we will then, because we're just like them, we'll avoid suffering as well. Now, what we have in this passage is something that is different. We have, Peter is describing a third way. Let me describe this third way to you. It is not one of assimilation, nor is it one of withdrawal. Check out what Peter tells his audience, the Christians. He says, you are a holy nation. What is a holy nation? What does Peter mean by this? What Peter means is that his audience as Christians has been set apart as the people of God. They've been called out of darkness into God's marvelous light. They have been chosen. And they are to, not only are they uh, set apart as God's chosen people, but they are to live holy, morally upright lives. Now this sounds like, what does this sound like? This sounds like withdrawal. Doesn't it? Like you've been called out, you've been separated, you're, you're to act this way. If you only read those verses that talk about the holy nation part, it sounds like withdrawal. But then you go to verse 12. And Peter's talking about being among the Gentiles. He goes on to say in, re, in verse 11, um, he says, You Christians are sojourners and pilgrims. You know what a sojourner is? They are a foreigner who resides among, the, among people who are not, you know, their own. 
You know what a pilgrim is? A pilgrim is a resident alien. A resident alien is a person living in a foreign land for a considerable length of time. You see, Peter is calling Christians, he's calling us today to neither be withdrawers or assimilators. He is calling us to engage the world with a particular distinctness. That's what he's calling us to do. Now, I'm sure Peter had, you know, his master Jesus in mind when he was instructing his audience to engage the world with a distinctness. Think about Jesus' prayer right before he was about to be crucified. What did Jesus pray in John 17 verses 15 through 18? I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. Check this out. As you sent me, God the Father, into the world, I have also sent them into the world. Peter, I'm sure, had Jesus' teaching ringing in his ears as he was instructing his audience. Matthew, 15, uh, Matthew 5, 13 through 16, in the Sermon of the, of the Mount, what do we have Jesus saying here? You are... The salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. So the question becomes, how do we engage our community, our city, your workplaces with the distinctness of Jesus? How can you be in the world but not of the world? How can you be light in our city without that light being snuffed out? How can you be salt and not lose your saltiness? Well, in our passage, Peter gives us two things. Let me share these with you. That's going to enable us to be in the world in a distinct way. The first is this. Our words, if we're going to engage the world in a distinct way, must be infused with praise for God. In verse 9, Peter tells us, Proclaim the praises of Him who called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. In other words, we are to seek and seize opportunities where we can talk about the goodness and greatness of our God and the difference He has made in our lives. We are to do this. This does not mean that we need to be these annoying people that are always manipulating conversations so that we can preach a sermon, leaving the person on the other side of us feeling as if we have this hidden agenda that is not so hidden. But rather, what we're doing is we're looking to praise God in a way that is both natural, it's sincere, and it's done winsomely. That's what we're looking to do. So our words will be infused with words that praise God. The second thing Peter says that we are to do if we're going to engage the world with a, distinct, a distinctness that is the aroma of Jesus Christ is that we are, our actions need to be honorable. Our actions need to be honorable. 
Peter tells us that honorable actions include two things. The first is abstaining from fleshly lusts that destroy your soul. The second way to have your actions be honorable is to perform good works. Let's look at the first, though, abstaining from fleshly lusts that destroy your soul. What is Peter talking about? That phrase, fleshly lust, when's the last time you used that phrase, right? Maybe never, right? So what does he mean? Well, the Apostle Paul in Galatians 5, verses 19 through 21, he explains it to us. Look at this. Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, hearsays, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like. Now there is a lot that could be said about what Paul is putting down here in Galatians 5, 19 through 21. But the main idea is that fleshly lusts come from a self-centeredness that wants to immediately enjoy bodily pleasure at the expense of others. It causes a person, uh, fleshly lusts cause a person to lash out at others when they're not getting what they want. And they, 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 they enable a person to seek to uh, elevate themselves over other people. That's the theme of these fleshly lusts. Very self-centered. But Paul says the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5, 22 through 26 is this. Joy, love, joy, peace long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. A lot could be said about these verses too, but when the Holy Spirit is having its way in a person, what you're going to find is a person who is joyful, non-anxious, unhurried, helpful, and deeply, deeply good. The spirit-controlled person is a person of high virtue and high character. And we must be these people in the world if we are going to be in it, but yet have the distinctness in the marks of Jesus Christ. But just having morally upright character is not enough, because Peter tells us in verse 12, we must also do good works. What Peter is saying is that we are to look to serve the people of our community, even people who don't believe like us, think like us, or may not even like us. This is what Peter is saying. Now, two things will happen when we go into the world praising God with honorable actions, high character, but also serving people through good works that bless them. What are the two things that are going to happen? The first thing, you're not going to like this, you will be mistreated. You will suffer. Just this past week, we had a conversation with one of my sons because he was being made fun of because he does not watch certain things that his classmates watch and they said it's because he is a Christian and Christians you know are super strict and 
and he came home just hurt and ostracized, right? Now that's minimal. In his world, that's a big deal. But, you know, we know as adults. But if we are living with the distinctness of Christ in the world, we are going to be mistreated. We're going to be made fun of. We are going to be marginalized. Expect it. We are going to suffer. Now, what else can we expect if we are in the world with the distinctness of Christ? This is the best part. Some who used to mock and villainize you will observe your praises, they'll observe your character, and especially they will observe your good works, and this is what's going to happen. They will end up glorifying God. This is why we do it. Now, you need to know that Greek word behind observe means to look at something for a long time, to study it to really reflect and ponder and meditate and consider and contemplate the thing you're looking at. And so what this is saying is the, those people who at one point villainized us, as we continue to represent Jesus in a way that is accurate before them, they are going to start looking at us. They're going to study us. They're going to ponder us. They're going to contemplate what is it about this person that is so distinct from the culture around me? Why does this person not act like my coworker? Why does this person not sit in the lunchroom gossiping about all the other people? Why are they not constantly complaining? Why are they not seeking glory and honor? but just put their head down and they do the right thing. They're constantly looking to serve. They're going to study it and they're going to come to realize that there is a Jesus in them that has radically transformed this person and he is making the difference and it's good and it's beautiful and I want that. I want to worship this God. Right on? Now, here's something that's critical. Peter makes it clear, and that we will wrap it up with this, that the only way we can be the sort of people that are full of praise, righteous character, and good works, and able to bear the persecution that will surely come our way, which by the way, if you're not being mistreated, you might want to ask yourself, why not? Are you living in a distinct enough way, reflecting Christ, that evil is actually coming your way? Maybe the reason you're not suffering is because you've withdrawn from the world. Assimilated. Right? Now the only way we can be in the world and not of it is when we are fueled by the gospel. The gospel has to fuel us. And when the gospel becomes increasingly real to our hearts, the more we are going to be engaged with the world in a distinct way. So as we meditate on the gospel, we remember that we were once in darkness, but out of God's great mercy, God has rescued us. He's brought us into his marvelous light through his life, through the life, death, and resurrection and ascension of his son Jesus. We are reminded that we are a special people chosen for such a time as this. That we were purchased with Christ's blood. The more this becomes real to our hearts, 
We're going to forget about ourselves and we are going to work to see people come to know the glory of our great God. We are going to desire that other people experience the treasure that we have found in Christ. Our theme for this year is firm foundation, gospel grounded, always ready. What this means is that this year we are dedicated to helping you become more grounded in the gospel than ever before so that you are always ready to engage the world with the distinctness of Jesus Christ so that some will be one to him. Amen? Okay. Um, one thing I, I want to add here. I am so glad that we serve a Savior that did not assimilate nor withdraw. Jesus, he didn't withdraw. He could have stayed in heaven. But he came, he took on flesh and blood. He entered into our space. He entered into the darkness to rescue us out of it. Praise God he did not withdraw. Praise God he did not assimilate. Because if he would have assimilated, he couldn't have been the perfect sacrifice that pays the penalty for our sins. Thank, thank God he was sinless, completely without sin. Amen? Hey, I want to tell you before we pray, I want to fill you in on something we've been working on. And this is still provisional, which means we're not certain this is going to happen. But as we look to engage our world with the distinctness in this community, with the distinctness of Jesus, one of the things we're considering doing is bringing an organization called Start Fresh to the Denver building here. Um, maybe you came to their mobile grocery store um, this summer that was here at the property on a couple of occasions. But what Start Fresh does is it's a grocery store that has uh, reasonably priced healthy food. Um, what they do is they put these grocery stores in locations where people don't have access to reasonably priced healthy food. Think about the people living in this neighborhood. Where is the closest place they can go get some groceries that are at a good price and are not just full of sodium and whatever else? Save a lot. But what if you don't have transportation there? Can you imagine walking to save a lot to get your groceries for the week in this sun? Trying to bring frozen stuff back to this neighborhood? It would be horrible. Imagine if you had kids that had to come with you. And so we are in talks with Start Fresh about becoming a location for them. And we are considering also having a third space in that building so that as people come on a daily basis and we have this faithful presence here in our neighborhood, we are going to have space there to also have conversations with the people that come. Right? And we're trusting that as we do, some of those uh, conversations will open up opportunities that we can seize to talk about the praises of our wonderful God. And so uh, this is something to be praying about. Um, I want to introduce you to somebody special who's helping us think through all of this. Her name is Joan Tomek. Maybe you have seen her at the first service if you attend that one. But Joan, I got connected through to, uh, to I got connected with Joan through a mutual friend who is also um, doing amazing things um, in this Stark County area. And when I met Joan, I instantly liked her. 
she you know was a teacher at North Canton for years um, she was a girls basketball coach for years I think started the lacrosse program at North Canton so and just has this passion and energy and love for Jesus that I just found right away super attractive I remember coming home and telling Mary I just met this amazing lady, Joan, and, and she has the same heartbeat that we have. And actually, she wants to get involved with what we're doing and is willing to do some hard work to see some of these visions we have come to fruition. So let's have Joan come up so you can see her and meet her. Let's give her a warm, abundant life welcome. So this is Joan. Um, you will be blessed when you meet her. Uh, she has been helping us think through what's happening over at Demers, this possibility of Start Fresh. If we need to raise money, she's even willing to uh, lead the way in that. And so it's just been great having her on, on the team. So I wanted you to meet her because she's going to be leading prayer walks for us this fall as we consider as we continue to consider, is that really what God wants to happen over at Dimmers? And so we're going to have, I believe, three prayer walks, um, September, October, um, that you can be a part of. More information if you uh, come and talk to Joan. But she's going to be leading them, and I just wanted you to be able to put a face with the name. All right? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we love you. Thank you so much that you have pursued us, that you neither you didn't withdraw nor did you assimilate, but you came as the perfect image of God to redeem us, to rescue us, so that we can be redeemed rescuers ourselves as we partner with you. And as you, Holy Spirit, pulsate through our entire being, making us distinctly countercultural in the way we think and act and behave. This city needs you, Jesus. It is full of people that are walking in the darkness. And the darkness is so thick for them that many of them have lost hope that light will ever come. May we not withdraw or assimilate and watch people um, be, live this life separated from God and then, face, and then have to face an eternity separated from Him. But may we go into the world May we be willing to experience the suffering that will result so that more and more people can be adopted into your family. Thank you for people like Joan that you are bringing to this body of believers for such a time as this. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you.